The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 131. The chapters at the end of the book, at the end of the episode, are going to be from Beyond Brightside. Uh, we got chapters six and seven today. Hopefully you guys enjoying that story. A little bit of brutality to end your day. But first, we have a very special guest all the way from Germany, Remington Speltstreuser. Sorry if I messed up your name. Remington, so good to have you on here, man. Yeah, it's it's weird to be on the other end of this. I've never been a guest on a podcast before. So it's like, uh, wait, oh, he's doing the intro now, you know, like, okay, cool. <laughs> It's uh, it's cool. Yeah, thanks for. We'll do it the other way around this time. I, it's gonna be hard for me to like hold back from doing my like my hosting, my own hosting thing. You know, it's uh, yeah. Well, this, yeah. Hope, hopefully, this is a a nice change for you. Um, you know, I like I like both. I I love finding out about people, but then again, I'm a narcissist. I love talking about myself. So there's a little bit of both. Um, but we had an awesome conversation. I think it was uh, I was on your podcast, Deeper Energy. Uh, episode 22 or so uh, but we just really hit it off and you know and it, we had a lot of things in common a lot of personality things a lot of the same kind of issues a lot of we were both drawn to the same kind of uh, ways to heal ourselves and to deal with problems or whatever um, but the reason I contacted you in the first place and then I saw your podcast I saw that it was in Germany I have a huge interest in Germany uh, and that you were an American that moved there with your family so i would love to hear when that took place why it took place and what your experience has been and i'll have some more questions but yeah when did this happen and why did you do it yeah uh it's so funny too because this story is something that i've told to so many german people that i actually have to like think about it how to say it in english you know like um the my wife uh, now we met in high school like uh, back in 2000 oh gosh 2000 2000 yeah she was six we were 16 and uh like there was no there was no romantic uh thing like i tried like i i had a girlfriend and stuff and i tried to hit on her and and she totally rejected me and um that uh that stuck with me for some reason she was really good friends with my sister and so my sister and her just uh they were doing their thing and i and you know i kind of always tried to pawn off the the girls from the you know the girlfriends of my sister <laughs> and uh and the thing is for franzi is her name she had a she kind of had bad luck like when she got to the the when she got to to california where i lived uh she it was kind of like a how do you say that i guess it was just like a luck of the draw like what family she would get when she shows up as a exchange student and so she oh. had one of yeah, so one of our teachers uh, at our high school was one of these people that would have all these exchange students, like one, you know, one at a time come. And Franzi wasn't unbeknownst to her; she shows up and she's like living in her garage, like the, she had converted the garage uh, to like a living quarters. And, and uh, I know where she lives. She actually, coincidentally, we found this out like five years later that she was living right next to my aunt and uncle in like the this mountain village that's close it gets cold up there in the winter time and stuff and she's like living in the garage anyway so now i kind of figured out I, I realized why she ended up spending so much time at our house and she was such you know she spent the night lots and you know um anyway it, it ended up that 
uh, gosh, like in 2006, um, I was living in Vegas and she came out and I kind of like, I knew like, this was my chance to, to, to get together with her. And so I was just, it was really just a love story, you know, like I ended up, uh, we ended up falling in love and she was ready to move out to the States and that was good to go. I was like, let's do this. Um, you know, uh, she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to move to Las Vegas. So I had to like pack all my shit and go back to, uh, I ended up going to San Francisco and, uh, she went back to Germany and packed up her stuff and then came out and we met in San Francisco like three months later. And, uh, on her flight out there, she was sitting next to like an HR representative from, I think Hewlett Packard. And he was like, sorry, but all the job visas for, you know, she had already graduated college. She was ready to go. Uh, uh, like, Tourism, tourismos, I say it in German, see? Um, tourism and event management oh. is what she studied. And so she was like ready to get a job. And uh, yeah, the guy was like, no, it's not going to happen. You know, 40,000 visas are gone. And it was in February at the beginning of the year. So they were already out. So she basically got off the plane. It's like, I have to go back to Germany. And I was like, I was good to go. I was like, well, I signed a lease for three months. So, you know, she was like ready to go on the plane and just like leave me in this apartment. And I was like, no, no. You got to stay here with me for three months, you know, <laughs> I made it like, uh, and it wasn't in San Francisco. It was like in, oh God, it was like in San Bruno, across the street from the airport. Like we had to watch movies on subtitles and stuff. It was just, uh, it was wow. crazy, but, but we ended up, yeah, like we ended up just, uh, then I did the same thing. I packed all my stuff, which was like such a cool thing to do. Right. Like I, when I look back, like at the age of like 25, you know, packing all of your stuff, reducing all of your belongings down to like three bags. And, um, I sold my guitar, which was really cute. Cause when I ended up showing up to Germany, my, my future father-in-law was like totally in, he's a super awesome, like finger style guitarist. And oh, he, he, he brought me a guitar to the airport. He's like, no man should ever sell his guitar, even for love. So he like, he gave me like one of his, he had an extra guitar when wow. I really showed up to the, yeah. So that I got, I ended up getting really lucky in that sense. Like I have this, but you asked me like, why did I move to Germany? The, the simple answer, that's like a real long answer, right? Um, the simple answer is I, I fell in love with the German girl and I was open. I was like, good to go. I didn't really care about uh, like where I just wanted to like explore a little bit. And Germany was a good excuse. And this woman that I'd kind of been following around for, you know, uh, this on and off for three or four years, I finally had a chance to hook it up. So, yeah, I ended up in Germany. I couldn't speak any German, like nothing. Um, and her father gave me a job uh, working at his pharmacy. So I was able to kind of like, you know, work in the background and then start to learn German. And that was, yeah, around 2006. Gosh, that was a really long answer. See? Wow, that, that, well, that's a, dude, that's also a huge decision, especially at that age. Um, had you been to other countries? Had you traveled much? Uh, and did you have like a job that you cared about? What were you doing at the time? Yeah, like uh, the job itself was just, I was just a server at uh, the the chain PF Chains. I was a oh, Tally. Yeah. I don't know if you watch any South Park, but Tally, I can relate to Tally. He was my yeah. man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're both, you know, <laughs> we know what's up there. So yeah, yeah. like... Uh, I was definitely a PF Chang's uh, lifer on its way, especially in Las Vegas. Like that was um, the pinnacle mm -hmm. of, of PF Chang's was working uh, at, I think it was Planet Hollywood. So, okay. I mean, 
it was just it was like that lifestyle you know um uh, i couldn't really offer my wife anything like my i say my wife but like my girlfriend back in the day you know franzi when she came out it was like i gotta keep working at the restaurant to pay rent so you gotta either gonna get a job in marketing or do whatever but i'm i gotta this is my and that was the difference with uh her 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 family and her setup here in germany is that her dad owned his own company and in germany the pharmacies are sole proprietorships so it's like a it's like a lawyer it's like based on a person so he ran Mm -hmm. his own business he had like 20 employees and so that financial basis allowed me to like just show up here with nothing and still have something like still do something, you know, uh, which he ended up becoming my mentor. And, uh, you know, fast forward to today, my wife runs the pharmacy now and I'm in the background doing, you know, besides the, the podcast, <laughs> which, uh, is obviously, as you know, podcasts, uh, have their own style of, I mean, it's not really a lucrative thing unless, you know, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? And that's what we'll get into that too, why you're doing it and what you get out of it. Because yeah, it is a lot of work and especially starting out, it, there's no, you know, no money and or very, very little. So we'll get into that. Now, what part of Germany are you in? Um, how long did it take you to get okay with the language and, and, and start to understand it? And um, yeah. well, yeah, let's, let's hit that. Yeah, for sure. Like I wouldn't, I'm close to the Baltic Sea. So like northern, east, northern Germany, I'm in the actual like the old DDR. So I'm living in, I it was a total time trip for me. Like uh, I was never a history buff uh, for the Americans that are out there that are, are history buffs. They know what's up. But like my family, like my uncle. So he's like, he was his, 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 his reaction was like my reaction would have been. He's like, I know you're somewhere in Europe. Like that's, that's close <laughs> enough for me, you know, like. And so, um, yeah, the DDR there or the GDR, you know, the German Democratic Republic was like a total new thing. That was a, such a learning curve. And but my father-in-law like showed me all that, taught me all about it. And it's a totally interesting story. Um, and you're, there's still remnants of it today. And the village that we live in, you know, it was it was bombed. I mean, it, Hitler actually ended up spending some of his time when he was injured in the hospital that's in this vi- village that I live in. Oh wow! Which no German wants to talk about. You know, like I don't. I, I think it's cool, you know, like obviously he wasn't, he wasn't the great guy, but it's still part of the history, you know, and uh, the fact right. that he might have started part of Mein Kampf uh, when he was in this hospital state in this uh, hospital is kind of like, well, that's just a part of history we don't want to like talk about, you know, but I mean, it is what it is, right? Anyway, um, and German itself, like the language itself, um, I totally underestimated that. Like I do a lot of things. Um, I es- underestimated that it would take me. 18 months to really i mean honestly it's not ever going to be like without an accent even these days like everyone pinpoints me they're instantly like okay where are you from but at the beginning it was like hand and feet you know talking with my hands and feet and and i'm a very communicative guy so that was a whole new level for me to like wait a minute now you're like tying my hands behind my back and i'm at a party trying to be social and i had it was totally a growth process for me like i think I, if I look back, it was probably like when I actually li- literally like became a man. <laughs> it took me that long, you know. Some people can do it at a younger age. Um, it took me until about twenty-five until getting out here, being thrown in the cold water, and and being forced to like learn to learn a new language. And then also like you can't. How can I put this in a way? You can't do it. You can't do it like half-ass. Like I, you can't like 
it's weird to say, but like I, I kind of didn't like German because you would you like I would listen to stuff and I'd be like, I couldn't understand it, so it just got me upset, and I would mm -hmm. just kind of I would just fight it. There would be something deep down, and I didn't it didn't like until I actually I remember there was one night it was like this this is this is a good story like there was one night uh, we've been I've been here for six months. And I was like, what's going on? I'm not going to, this is not going to happen. You know, like I had totally hit that, that point where it's like, screw this. I'm going back home with my tail between my legs. Like that was the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and Franzie and I had, we, we were out partying as always, like, you know, at that age, we were just doing our thing and it was a social thing. And she's a very social person and she's hanging out with like her ex-boyfriend from like the village and they're all speaking German. I'm like, yeah, great. They're going to hook up. You know, you, you always just go straight into like the worst thing. They're always, everyone's always talking about you and like all that kind of stuff you know and so uh i was totally down on myself and um we got back to the apartment and i was like that's it you know like i don't know and she looked at me she's like is this it like she really she's like she was on that reality too she's like this is not gonna happen like you, you know and i remember saying really i don't know it was weird but at that moment i was like i just i was like fuck it no i'm doing this you know like i literally said that to her and she's like yeah right whatever you know but i but when i said that it was like somehow then it like everything got easier after that it was so it's so obvious now when i say it but back then it was like it was really me just saying fuck it <laughs> it's like the, the, those two words and they <laughs> kept on helping me every time when things turned into being hard i was like ah oh, it's cool like it's interesting you know or there's like this there's like this this positive growth mindset, I would say, mm -hmm. to to German. And so then like, that was uh, 14 years ago. Wow. I uh, tell that story like that. Yeah. And I was going to say that has to be because I know even just for this little trip, um, I know pretty much everyone's going to be speaking English, especially in the hall that I'm in. And, you know, but. I understand I'm going to be going with like a first grade level understanding of German, probably understand even less. And you, so you lose all of your humor, you lose your intelligence and you come across as, you know, you, you don't, you're not witty at all when you're trying to speak someone else's language and you don't have a grasp on it. So I've had to just be like, you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, uh, but I, I, I really had to pick up my learning because I realized like, I'm never going to get this if I just keep doing like five minutes a day. And, uh, and definitely had to change my mindset about it too. Like, okay, it's not hard. It's interesting. Um, and that, yeah. I think that's helped a little bit too. So, but I realized it's going to yeah, take forever. Well, you know, and I think the, 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 when I look at my kids now, it's like, well, they have it so good, right? Like they don't even know, like Tristan will switch back and forth between English and German in the same sentence. So like you don't even, you know, and awesome. it's, it's like, yeah, but as an, the older we get, right, the more we're like, you know, like I noticed because I learned German at such a late, late, late age, um, I'm not as emotional in German. Like I'm mm. just not like, like I used to be a guy that would like, I mean, I still am that guy, but like, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say, but like, I think sometimes like I don't, I used to, I would cry and watch a movie, you know, if there was a movie that was kind of got me, you know, I'd get teary eyed and it would hit me hard and it's. I feel like I've, since I've learned German, like I lost, I lost like a little edge of that, you know, because like I'm just, I think in German and um, it's almost sad to say it out loud that like, I think I lost a little of that X that I have to, it takes me more to tap into that emotion because 
think about all the things you learned, all the things from like the age of zero to 26, you know, or 25, like all of the relations and all of the things that are happening in your brain, you know? And then, um, I mean, you, you've gone through so many things with, uh, your head injury like you know what it's like to to go through the like the reprogramming of your brain your brain right that's a really actually interesting topic and how and where language lives and uh you know these i know all these pathways that are being created and it seems like i mean i i i'm definitely positive that uh like if, if i'm supposed to like give you like an emotional speech i better do it in english it's not like in german it's going to fall flat it's not going to hit hit those points that you want it to hit you know yeah. Now, can a German German speaker, like a, someone a native, can they have a very emotional speech in German, or is it the language itself that kind of diffuses it, maybe, or or, or deflates emotion because of so many words or, or anything like that? Do you think, yeah. or do you think it's just the change? That's an interesting question. Like I, I I'm I uh, when I watch like when I'm, I I follow some like comedians, for example, like you and I both mm -hmm. like Joe Rogan. So mm -hmm. like when uh, I watch, I watch like, and, and, you know, Joe Rogan has actually opened me up to comedy because he talks about it so much on his podcast. I like, never thought of comedy the way I did before he would talk about it with his guests and stuff. And then he has like comic comedians on and they talk shop kind of, and you're like, you kind of feel like, Oh, I didn't realize it was such a, you know, this type of, this type is an art. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I try and look at like, I, I try and sometimes I've tried it multiple times. I'm like, okay, I'm going to find like a German comedian and be like, get into this guy, you know? And uh, it just, it's just different. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. But I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm American, you know. But, like, even my wife, like, she, she'll watch English comedy. She would rather watch English comedy with me on Netflix than watch, like, German comedy. So uh, she's, mm -hmm. she's full-on German. So it's, you're right. I mean, it's definitely the culture is just, it's, it, it's culture and language are just, you know, they're so intertwined that, you know, the best comedian that I ever watched in German was like a dog comedian. He talked about like dogs and their owners. And that shit was funny. It was hilarious. But that was about it. Like, I, you know, like this real introspective, like intelligent kind of comedy where you can where you follow it and you, it's like a story. I haven't I've yet to find that in, in a German comedian. But I wonder if it's just because because America is America, right? Like America, you can't. It's the culture of the United States, uh, the way that it's it's. It's created such a, you know, that's that's why, you know, obviously the last couple of years has been a rough patch, but but that's why it's so special because it's the because there's so much creativity and 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 the type of thinking is is more open, right? It's mm -hmm. everything. Just you know, Germans are. I can't say I hate this. I people do this with me as an American, but Germans they have a harder time uh, opening up and, 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 and expressing themselves just in general. It feels like to me, like, you know, I mean, I know this because like I, and I get that card, I get the free card, the free pass of being that guy that's open because I'm American. And so everyone's like, Oh, he's American. That's why he talks so much and blah, blah, blah. You know, but I don't yeah. know, maybe. I don't know. And I hate when people put me like, because I'm like the one American in a radius of like, a, you know, I don't know, 50 or there's a couple of us around here, but there's not very many of us. So I get the card like, oh, he's the, that's how all Americans are, you know, which is also, obviously, I'm not the representative for 330 million people, you know. That's... Yeah, that that was going to be my next question. What were some of the, you know, and I don't like using stereotypes either, but I've been watching a lot of like uh, YouTube videos on what not to do in Germany, how people are, uh, you know, how 
they are into rules. They don't like the loud noise so much, you know, or restaurants. Um, what are the, are there some other big takeaways, you know, pros and like uh, my, my co-author was mentioning that like with fast food, he said, he's like, most Germans look at fast food like a last resort instead of here in America where it's the first thing you might go to in a convenient. So um, are there any things that you've noticed, you know, pros and cons? Well, what a what what were some of the things on those videos? Give me some. Give me give um, like, like um, one was like in restaurants, not to be like overly loud. Uh, one was just about following rules in general, like you know, don't cross the street unless there's a crosswalk. Uh, don't go on the bike path. Don't you know? But just like stick to rules. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, those, those, yeah, those are those are some of the ones that I really took away. But it from seeing so much. Yeah. It, it seemed like the rules was kind of a big thing. Right. Totally. Let's, uh, if I, I have to kind of bring myself back to like, cause I, I kind of turned it to a little German. Like my, whenever I travel back to the States, Fonzie's like, you're so German now because like yeah. people are so nice in the States and stuff. And I'm always just like, why is everyone so fucking nice? And, so, and she's like, you used to be that way too. You remember, you know, you used to be a nice person. So I think the, the, um, but the thing is like, uh, the small difference, just a real easy answer to that would be like, don't be disappointed when you go to like a restaurant and the server doesn't care about you at all. Like it's mm-hmm. like that was that was obviously because I came from that industry too. Then I was like, whoa, they don't even care at all. Like they're you're lucky that you have like uh, food on the table. Like wow. because it's just a different thing, and you just and. and and like, why would they even pick that bit, that job? And my wife's like, they probably didn't pick that job. You know, like, it's not a, like, it's not their favorite thing to do, you know? And I'm like, well, but if you're doing it, you're going to do it anyway. And like, she's like, no, you know, they're just, they're just miserable and they complain about it and they don't change. Like, that's just what it is. And I'm like, well, I guess that's, that's a, there's a lot of people have that same trait, but it's, yeah. And then the other thing is um, friendships. Like, this is a big deal, but like, for me, the first thing I noticed when I first got to, Germany, I was accepted instantly into the core circle of my the, of my girlfriend's friends, which I'm very thankful for. And her best friends, like as a couple, um, they are my best friends now, like even mm-hmm. 13, 14 years later. But it took a good two years for that friendship to actually turn into a real friendship. So that was something, especially, I don't know if in, in California, it's even more superfluous, but and in Vegas, obviously, that that was just a rotation of people. You never really had like your friend group changed. Um, and I've got like two good friends back from high school that I, you know, one I just finally called the other day. Um, but I know that if I showed up there the next day, like we would be right back on that same page. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is, like, especially here in in the in the GDR where the kids grew up uh, with the the family values very high. Like the family was first. Mm-hmm. Um, capitalism came later where it was like important to make money. That didn't make any difference to these. And so so they have these types of friendships that are so deep and so real that if you want to be part of that, like you got to show up and be there when people need you. You have to be a real friend, you know, like, which, mm-hmm. like when I, when, because I was, I would show up, you know how it is. Like you meet someone and it's like, you have a great time at a restaurant or at a bar or something. And they're like, oh yeah. And, and, and Americans are like, that you know oh you're my best buddy and that and then you meet them the next day and they'd be like oh what was your name again you know it's yeah. like that super fake shit um but 
when you're constantly surrounded by it, it becomes somehow it comes becomes like a normal thing, kind of like you don't really take it as an offense or anything. I was like, oh yeah, it's cool, you know. And and I noticed that um, instantly, like in like here, people don't like give you that fakeness, but mm. it seems rude at first. Like if you're not used to it, you're like, that's they're being rude, and it's, and and it's not. It's not that they're being rude; they're just being real, and. Mm. I took it personal a lot of times because uh, I kind of was like, where's that feedback? Why isn't that person smiling at me? And that's like, cause they don't want to smile at you. They don't even know you, you know, and just, I don't know. It, it seeps into every little interaction, you know? Um, yeah. I, so well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I was gonna say that's super helpful for me too, because I am the kind of guy now. And especially when I'm in like author mode, I want to talk to people. I want to, I want to greet people. I want to, you know, be super friendly. So I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I want to spark up conversations with everyone. So that, that, that's a good little warning. Uh, now, would you, would you guys ever consider moving back to the United States? Uh, is there any desire or do you think Germany is your permanent home? I have a desire for sure. Um, there's, there's always a desire, especially like, especially with that whole thing, like following the pandemic and, you know, it's it's definitely more chill here than it is in California, especially because we live in like a very sparsely populated area. But mm -hmm. there was like when it first hit the fan, like I was like, oh, I'm looking. And and obviously, like I follow Joe Rogan. I'm like, oh, I've been to Austin, Texas. Like, that's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. And I, obviously now I'm sure the prices have gone like 200 percent through the roof to like move there. <laughs> I forgot where, where you're, you're in California, right? I'm in California. Yeah, yeah, like Whittier or where were you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Whittier, which is like LA, oh, yeah. not right on the border of LA and orange County, but my brother and sister uh, are both in Austin. They just, my brother was there a couple of years ago. Yeah. My sister just moved there. Um, you know, they wanted a little, they wanted to get out of California. Um, I just don't even care. And I'm like, you know what, whatever. I was like, all I care about is my family, my house. I was like, if everything's cool here, then we're good. So um, yeah. but I, I do want to, I want to travel. I want to see, I had, I wanted to do this trip with my whole family last year. We were supposed to go around Germany and do like a two week trip, but so maybe next year. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know if I would ever want to leave here completely. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Cause it, it does sound like a lot of, I, I, Oh, the other thing with all this German stuff is it made me understand my grandfather a lot better because my grandfather, um, is German. Well, was German. And again, that whole side of the family, like not showing a lot of emotion, not showing a lot of love, not, never saying the words, I love you, you know, and stuff like that. I am yeah. not saying all Germans are like that, but. Um, yes. <laughs> it's a safe, it's a safe bet. Like if you had to like, you know, if you had to bet on one side, I'd say less people get the I love you. Like I remember hugging my, my father-in-law the first time when I showed it. There's a, like my father-in-law, he would like, I remember coming downstairs like the night after I got here or the morning, the next morning, like Franzi and I, she picked me up from the airport and then we showed up at her parents' house and then we went upstairs and went to bed. It was like super late. And so I get up in the morning and I walked downstairs without, without a shirt on, just like shorts. And I'm like, cool, this is awesome. I'm going to hang out with the family. <laughs> my my father-in-law sitting there with a shirt like I have on, like a, like a dress shirt. And a fucking sweater at the breakfast table. I was like, oh, I'm going to go put some on. So I turn around and I go upstairs, you know, and I put like, like some wrinkly ass shirt on. And, uh, and, and he, 
And he's like, it's okay, Remington. You know, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, he was cool about it. And, uh, but he laughed about it too. But um, thank God. Because imagine if he would have been like, yeah, that, you know, you know what I mean? But he had to kind of like me because his daughter was in love with me. So I kind of got that luckiness there. Um, yeah. But I remember hugging him like after, after being there for a week at their house when he first showed up. I was really thankful for that. I was like, wow, that's so cool. It just opened up my. So I was just like, all right, I'll see you. We'll see you, you know, when we get next time. And he was like, I had to like hug him around his arms, you know? He was like, what the fuck? He's, he's hugging me now, you know? So, yeah. And he's like a really loose guy. Like, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not, like Franzi said that to me. So he, 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 I know he loves me, you know, but it's not like, you don't get that, that like, like we are with our kids, you know? And, and I love, I love how Franzi has opened up over the years. Like when we first met, like I, that was like the boot camp that I had to put her through. I was like, we talk about our emotions, you know, like she was the dude in the, in the relationship. She was just like, ah, oh, just talking all the time. I'm like, I want to talk about my feelings and let's, uh, let's explore this. And she'd just be like, Jesus Christ, this guy talks too much, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. It's probably a mix of German and just uh, the fact that I'm just, uh, you know, I'm one of these people that just, I apparently just has to, you know, as you can tell in this conversation. <laughs> can, can you, so besides your wife, have you made a difference? Do you think with your father? Cause I, I realized like, you know, with my dad, I think we've helped him say, I love you. We've helped him, you know, uh, open up more. Do you see your influence on others? Uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting question too. Like how many, how many of us do really know how much influence we have? You know, uh, it's the same thing with the podcast too. You're like, you're like, how many people really, even if you hit one person with it, but with, uh, directly with my father-in-law, um, we have phases, you know, like, uh, it's it, like ever since he retired, it's been, I think a little tricky for him because it was like, it's his baby, you know, we like, we took over his pharmacy. And it, so that's a whole dynamic where it's like, okay, wait a minute, this dude worked 25 years to like work on this. And now, I, you know, the happy American just comes in here and, you know, um, it, the structure of the pharmacy is not like, I'm going to change it into something that it's not, you know, that's not, but, um, so there's that, like, there's definitely that dynamic that probably doesn't necessarily help the relationship. Um, but my father-in-law and I are, I got lucky that he plays guitar um, way better than I ever will ever play in my entire life. But at least we have that hobby together. And then um, also uh, we, he likes to ski. He, he's a big skier. One of my, my all time dreams was to, to go to Austria and ski in the Alps, you know, like a snowboard or whatever. I don't care. Put skis on me. I help main thing I'm there, you know? And he's like kept this tradition in his family. Like the last, I think out of the last 14 years, we've been down there like eight times and we're going again this year. And he, and he would invite us and, you know, super nice hotel and everything. So I, that's like such a gift to, to, we also go out on the mountain and we're together. Like we're out there and we just, we just sit on, you know, and just bullshit. And mm -hmm. so that's like a time I, I definitely treasure that. I'll always be able to look back at that. And, and this year, and he's kind of, he's getting up there. So it's like, he wants to keep going and as long as he can keep going, you know? So I'm always going to give him that. Like, uh, even if I always make a week, even if it's just me and him going and not the whole family, like we've done that three or four times where like the whole family is like, I don't want to go on the whole ski vacation because we just love it so much. And I'll just go with him. So I think that would have happened either way. Like he probably would have dragged me along or he would just go by himself. Um, mm. That's it's interesting though. Like if you have an influence with that, you know, 
I don't know. I don't think so as much as that. I think it's more just we live it in our family and um, and we live it with the kids. And the kids, they want it, right? They pull it from their grandparents because we show them what it's like. And so they, I think the kids are even more like exponentially, you know, they're like, they they, they yeah. make the grandparents, you know, make them love them, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, of course they love them, but yeah. Yeah, show it, show it even more. No, that, 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 that's super cool. Um, okay, now let's switch focus. Let's go into the podcast. Uh, and I believe it was a different name before too. So I want to hear that, why you did change yeah. the name, if the name changed, and uh, why you started it, what you've gotten out of it. Uh, yeah, the podcast. Gosh, this has been a thing. Like, and I'm like, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads right now, actually, with that. So, but the the beginning, I, I think, again, <laughs> Joe Rogan. Like, I would listen to it. I actually, when I first got to Germany, podcast kind of kept my, they always kept my lifeline to the states, like to with, with English speaking. And I used to listen to Kevin Rose and Alex Albrecht on this podcast. Uh, what was it called back in the day? They were like kind of two nerds with their laptops open and they would just talk shit about like nerdy stuff, computer stuff and uh, play video, like video games. And I forgot what it was called anyway. Like, um, and I, I eventually like later, I think I only found Joe Rogan like two or three years ago, but um, uh, I, I, and then the technology got kind of the point where it was like, okay, you could set up a camera and set up a thing. But even that was like, oh, I mean, isn't it? a lot more work than you think at the beginning that you're going to like get a microphone and get headphones and like connect it to your computer. Like I really, I thought like, you know, a year and a half ago when I started that I would just take the HDMI cable from my camera and put it into my laptop and, uh, and the setup, I changed the setup today cause I'm sitting at my desk. And again, today, like I had to install three different softwares just oh, so wow. that like it gets to the, so that the driver like loads to the, to the camera, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, so anyway, like that whole technical side of it was, I, I'm down for that. Like I'm a tech guy. So I was, I was into that. <sighs> yeah. And then it, I used, I originally, I think I called it the real Remington show. Mm -hmm. And then I called it the real Remington podcast. Cause I was like, okay, this isn't a show. I'm too egotistical to call it a show or something. And then, um, and then I did change it to deeper energy because of the conversations that I was having through this pod match uh, platform. Because mm -hmm. I had put in there like ph philosophy and well, martial arts, and I'm really glad I put martial arts in there because I think otherwise we wouldn't have found each other. All oh, right. Um, um, and and uh, you know, I guess there was like a touch to like kind of this this whole touch on 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 like trying to figure out things, right? It's just uh, it came at a weird time too because I had actually done started the podcast before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit. So it was kind of like, oh, wow, introspectiveness and figuring out what's new. All You know, I think every, everybody's been doing that. And I've just kind of been mm -hmm. doing it live on these podcasts with people. But I haven't that one mistake I made for sure in this podcast um, is that uh, I never had a niche. Like I never had like a specific topic. I was just doing like the Joe Rogan format, which works for him because he's Joe oh, Rogan, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yeah and and that format doesn't work uh for anybody else probably or you know it, or it works for famous people that can have other famous people on so there's that's enough draw mm -hmm. but um 
you know, the, the interesting thing, like when I look at your podcast, it's like, it's cool. You like, it, it has to exactly to do, I could, like you said, at the beginning, you at the end, you talk about your book, you have chapters, you pull it out there. So you your listeners are people that read your book and it's, it's very focused on this one thing. And it's nice because that's where I go when I want that fix. Mm. Uh, and that's one thing I never did with my podcast. And I think that's, that's, yeah, I'd never thought I had to. I was like, ah, it doesn't, I didn't want to. I, I was like, I just want to have these conversations. But at the, at the other end of it, when you talk to everybody, you talk to nobody, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I finally learned that. And so now I'm kind of at this crossroads with it. I'm like, I just let it be. It is what it is. I had a good time. I met you. I met, uh, that was, that's definitely like the best side effect of podcasting is meeting people, right? And, and then also interesting people, people that are authors and that have done, or doctors and done different things. And as much as it is, is, it was interesting to me, I was like kind of thinking it would be interesting for people to listen to, but, uh, maybe it is too. Maybe you just have to, like I said, you have to niche down enough to where you find your audience. Um, and that's, uh, that's a trick that I, that I never really paid attention to. I don't know why, but now I kind of, now I got it on my radar. So we'll see. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the big problems I I've had too, because even though I do share a story or a chapter or whatever else, like the episodes, sometimes it's just me talking. I was like, and that's boring. Who wants that? You know, and, uh, and then different types of guests. So, um, yeah, right now, and I, I generally will like all of my stuff for the next while is probably going to be all brain stuff or brain or Germany stuff. And then it's whatever I'm interested in, uh, which is not a good technique, but you know, I'm really doing this. I think I do it for myself more than anything. Cause I do enjoy meeting other people. You know, and yeah. even other times when I'm talking just by myself, it's kind of nice just to wrap up my week. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I did this, this and this. And I don't know, it, it, it's helpful. It doesn't take a lot of time. And if people listen to it, I was like, that's awesome. Um, I yeah. do want, you know, I do want to get better at it and, and, and you know, continue it. And I, and I get so much more from having guests on and having cool conversations. Um, now, one of the things we really connected with, and this goes into the deeper energy, was I think we were talking about breathing. We were talking about uh, all these different ways to handle stress or whatever else. Um, yeah. What? So let, let's go into why that's important to you. What you know? What 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 are you most interested in? You know, is it is it uh, health and overall? Like, what what what's your biggest interest and what are you getting out of the podcast? This is like, this is, that's, that's the thing about it, right? Like it, it's kind of like, if I look back and now I'm trying to curate it a little bit in my mind too, like where, what is the, why? Like when I said I was going to stop, like this has been a process. I said it to my wife, like about, I don't know, probably a month or two ago. I was like, that's it. I'm done. You know, like this is, and I felt like so sad. I was like, oh, but that's not cool. If I feel like if I have like a, if I'm missing it, then it must be important to me. And I, and, and I came up initially, I came up with that answer that you just said that was like, this is like, for me, like, this is, I get something, I get something out of this. I get at something out of these conversations. And this is the first time I've, I've talked, like had a second conversation with somebody and you're right. It's so much better. Right. Because we kind of, we've already have a base to work on. We can kind of go deeper down and it becomes more interesting. And, and I've out of like maybe the 40 episodes that I did, um, I could probably say like 10 of those, I could probably do the same thing, go back and like jump back into that person again. And so mm-hmm. there's so much there. Um, but how do you curate it to the point where it's, um, it's something that's, that's, 
I guess you would say it's really truly helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and and what is it that what? Yeah, like you asked, like, what is it that that's inside of me that that wants to get out? And and why? And and I found like podcasting was one way, but I'm sure there's multiple other ways to 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 find my my art and my calling. It really is. It sounds kind of uh, esoteric, like oh my calling and. But but yeah. but it, but it, like when the pandemic hit, for example, like you said, with the breathing and being healthy and all of these things, like that's that's totally uh, a new thing um, that kind of was forced upon me for an external situation. Like I had, I found Wim Hof. Thank God, I found Wim Hof. I like I I use his breathing technique every single day. Like unless unless like I'm on vacation or I'm doing something like I would say at least five days, five days in a seven day period, I, I'm doing the breathing and I'm doing it to the point where I like, I'm kind of getting psychedelic with it now. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like It's crazy. Like I, I'm like, Oh, this is like, I just almost died. Basically is what I feel like last night. I got, last night I got into the, the ice bath after the sauna. Like, oh, wow. yeah, it was just, I was like, Oh, this is what it's like to be alive. Like that's, there's just no, there's no like faking it there. You know, like you feel your, your body, like your heart's like, uh, what are we doing? Like, I was like kind of doing the thing. I could feel my whole. I was like, I better get out right now, otherwise I'm not going to be able. You know, like so. It, I found that. So like, can I share that with you or share that? Can I put that into something that's that's useful for somebody? Obviously, Wim Hof, like that's the guy. You know, mm-hmm. but Wim Hof is Wim Hof. Like, what's Remington got to offer? You know, what what part of that does that work? Uh, how does that? How can I use that in my everyday life to? Yeah, to find out. Um, well, it's just being healthy. That's just like a health thing, right? Like the breathing is just a health thing. It resets your brain. I feel like it fights all, all like, like if you have like a little, even a little sniffy nose, you know, like a little, like it feels, I feel like that like he fought off Ebola with that, right? Yeah. Like he, he's, he, yeah. He went into the, into the, this university uh, Medicare thing or whatever. And he like, they injected Ebola, Ebola into him and he fought it off with his breathing technique. So when I when I feel like I'm a little sick or something, and I do that breathing technique, I'm like, oh, I'm resetting my pH value, and this is something that needs to be shared. Like, why why do we have to do all these other crazy things? You just learn how to breathe, you know? Yeah, and he replicate he, they they reproduced that study. I think he he trained like 14 other people to do the same thing. Like, you know, with the breathing, they were able to to beat it and not get sick. Uh, so yeah, it is amazing, and you know, I kind of have that. I had that with my brain book where I felt like, I'm like, who am I to even write this book? You know, I'm just a, a dumb stoner or whatever. I It's hard for me to even remember any of the shit I'm reading in these science books. And But it's like, okay, you know, there might be a lot of people that don't know about Wim Hof. And so maybe they'll hear about it in this book. You know, and there's not a lot of people that maybe know about Dr. Mark Gordon. So here, so even though in our mind, you know, these people are super popular and whatever is like no this is just our way you know we're, we're helping spread this message like hey there is you know you could get help this way or that way or this way and here's a cool thing that helps me and i think by doing that i think the more people that have that conversation you know someone that hears it from me you know or maybe they would hear from you if they don't hear from me or or someone another one of the people another person like us that is just spreading this message like hey there are other alternatives we can be healthier we could be happier uh, you know, this is how, what a man could be like, men could have these kinds of conversations, men can share, you know, whatever, whatever it is, 
Uh, yeah, I'm big on that too, is like sharing vulnerabilities. You know, I'll talk about anxiety. I'll talk about being suicidal. I don't care. Like, you know, um, and so in our mind, you know, maybe, maybe everyone's like that, but it's like, no, the truth is not everyone's like that. And a lot of people don't want to share. A lot of people don't even want to be on camera. You know, a lot of people don't want their voices heard. So, um, and then it goes to it too. Like, okay, is this a waste of time? Is it whatever? I have that a lot with meditation. I could get that with breathing. Cause it feels like you're doing nothing. But with the podcast, if we're getting the same benefits as like meditation or therapy or whatever else is like, well, no, we're, we're doing something productive. We're being, you know, we're, we are being productive. We're, we're being positive and we're putting out something that's good and can help other people. So why stop it? You know, so hopefully. Uh, you can... Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's uh, that's exactly it. Like it's. um. And and there's so much like you, you said there's so it, it can go it doesn't have to just be the breathing like like meditate to people how God I was just I'm amazed that sometimes it's it gets very esoteric very fast with the meditation thing like I'm I'm like that too that's why the breathing is so good because it's kind of like it forces you just to be med, like yeah because meditation itself like I do the thing and I listen to it and then my mind wanders and it's like it. I think that happens to every single person though, you know, but it always just turns into this thing where it's like, okay, am I driving down the road or is the road coming towards me? I was trying to explain it to my son the other day because we were on a little road trip. And that was one of the things that Sam Harris had said in his, I think it was in his podcast or in his app or whatever. And it was like this, like you have to switch between the road coming at you and you driving through. And so the actual switch itself is this, um, it's kind of like jujitsu. It's kind of like when you push and pull and you have these moments where you kind of time things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really like, you can't really explain it any other way, but the more that you figure out that you're in between, the more that you're actually like in the moment somehow. Um, and like, that's it. That's like, at that point you're like, okay, but I say it like, <laughs> like being in the moment, what is that? You know, like how, how many hours of the day are you in the future or in or in the past and, and you know how many of seconds do you really just miss and if you really pay attention to this moment there's a million things happening yeah. so it's actually kind of crazy to like there's a depth to this moment that is we're not scratching on a lot of the time somehow you know but mm -hmm. again again it's like okay but what does that mean like so well where are you, where are you going with that remington i you know and it's like well I guess then I, I'm just not taking it for granted that I'm like alive, you know? Um, yeah. What was his name? Victor. I just bought his book today. Um, uh, Victor, Victor, he was, he was in the, he was in the, uh, go back to Germany. He was in the Nazi concentration camps. Um, Frankel, Frankel, Victor oh, Frankel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did we, did we talk about him too last time? I don't no. remember. No, I don't know yeah. much about, him. I know the name. That's it. Yeah, he had this story where he, well, he was just obviously he was in the concentration camp, so that's a story in itself. But he ended up being like, a, like a motivating point for the soldiers, even for like the for the Nazi soldiers, like because he was stripped of everything and he still kept like a positive outlook on life, and he and and he and he got himself through this this concentration camp and came back and wrote a book about it, and uh, it, so. Uh, yeah, like, 
it's it's all it's all inside you you know uh what's those that, that was just so um i remember listening to that story the first time i think i listened to like a tony robbins uh video tape or something like that he talked about it and he obviously put it more eloquently than me and i, I wanted to catch on the book because it was something that just kind of pop, popped back up like like you know when when like just this this thing this this luckiness to be alive like we miss that and we have to we have to we have to curate that feeling every day and it's it has to be a habit to like be grateful that you just woke up in the morning it's it sounds so preachy mm -hmm. but or i mean you've been through some shit man and see so that 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 helped you get your perspective but what if someone's like just had like a perfect life their whole life like nothing's ever gone wrong and you know, and the first thing that happens to them, they're just crushed, right? And you're, then you look at it like, that's nothing, man. What, nothing even happened to you. Like, you're just having a bad day, like, you know, because you're living in the bubble. So mm. there's got to, yeah, I don't know. But I, I'm always amazed, though, at just how much I let those moments pass and how, uh, you know, how unpresent I am. Last night, early in the day, I was going to do a yin yoga. But yin yoga, man, it's like five, six minutes holding a pose, and it could be, it could be boring or whatever else. But I did it last night, like at some 45, I went outside and one of the first things he said was like, you deserve this, like, like enjoy it. And so just laying there and just breathing and looking at the sky and being present. I was like, this is awesome. Why do I have a hard time doing this? Like, this is what, this is what I should be doing right now. This is the best use of my time instead of going inside and watching TV or, you know, occupying myself with my phone or whatever else. I was like, I'm breathing. I'm letting my body relax, but it's amazing. You know, that moment doesn't happen very often for me. That doesn't happen necessarily every day. And so um, I think, you know, and that's why conversations like this are good because you're reminding me like, oh yeah, no, I do need to do that more. Like that is important. Like that helps me a lot. Uh, you know, just to remind like, okay, let's just ground ourselves and, and, and get present. So um, yeah. Thank you. your kids, sorry, but your kid, your kids, they, they, they always they're always the first, like, I, I, I always notice they're the first ones to be, like, happy about you doing that, you know? Like, every time that I'm, like, in this good place where I'm, like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. Like, I see him out there on the trampoline. Like, last night, I saw him on the trampoline, and my wife wasn't feeling good. She was, like, kind of, like, had, I think she had ate something weird, and she's, like, oh, God. So she sat on the couch and just folded laundry and watched TV, right? Like, it's like I'm happy that she does that, right? Otherwise, yeah. the laundry would never um, But I was, like. I kind of looked out and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go out there and just sit on the trampoline with them, you know, and see what they're doing, you know? And that turned into like 20 minutes of just like pure laughter as opposed to like picking up your phone and searching for that same dopamine hit with Twitter or with, uh, yeah. with Instagram, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's like, of course, in retrospect, when you say that, but it's the actual, like that moment, that realization, like this is a choice I'm, I'm making. I'm making this choice to like, to miss that that, mm -hmm. that time that time with him for like uh for like a device that that's really not going to give me what i really want i mean it may feel like it because it's because it's programmed to do that to me but mm -hmm. but those kids are those kids are programmed to do the same thing and 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 they get something out of it too you know yeah and that and no that, that that's perfect and at the end of my session last night it was funny because my son came out and the first thing he did he just cuddled up underneath me and he just wanted to lay there with me uh and so yeah it was like okay yeah that was that was an awesome thing and they get to see like okay yeah we, we can take the time and we can appreciate things uh because yeah it's so easy to to not do that and get caught up in the day and stuff 
Uh, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I just kind of. Um, it was probably that. It was probably, I think that was, I think it was just about the kids. Uh, oh, I was excited. My, my daughter, she's becoming a singer. She just did a little performance. She's 13. Right um, you know, my kids don't, they, they listen to me, but they think I'm just a weirdo, you know, like the breathing and everything else. But yeah, after, they look at me too like that. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's wrong with daddy? No one else's dad do this. Um, it's out of breathing, uh, out of her singing class. She's like, yeah, my, my, my teacher wants me to start doing this breathing technique. And where I was like, yes, I was like, that's what I've been telling you. I was like, it's going to make you a better athlete. It's going to make you a better singer is like breathing is awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I try to, I try to encourage it with them, but I was like, it feels good that like, okay, now she's realizing like, okay, yeah, this is smart. This is good. This is going to benefit me. Um, I think that's what a lot of it is like. If you could convince someone like this is going to improve their life, that this is going to make their life a little bit better and help them, then they're probably going to be more likely to check it out. Don't they do that thing where you have to like, like Justin Timberlake does it, where you have to like keep it on your mouth, like you have to suck it in. Oh, and then I, and, then, and then breathe like breathe through your nose and like keep the suck sucking on the. That might be that might be next level stuff that uh, I'm gonna it's have like to circular uh, breathing or whatever. I've heard yeah, about it. It's, it's hard. Like I had a friend that we remember sitting there. He, had, he had, no, I think I was the stupid one that figured it out. They have to like put water in your mouth, and then you have to spit out the water while you're breathing in through your nose or something. That's like the first step. And so I remember like sitting in front of the sink trying to do that, and yeah, and everyone, God, everyone was looking at me like I'm a weirdo, but because you have like it forces you not to to suck it in, then like mm-hmm. otherwise it goes up your nose. I don't know. Yeah, but it's crazy how much is involved. But uh, and that's one of the cool things, like with her, man, like to already know what she wants to do or like some kind of performing. And um, but I, I love that. Um, with your podcast, is do you have on German guests? Do you speak in German at all on the podcast, or is it strictly English? How does that work? At, yeah, at first I I uh, just mixed it all together, um, and then I did like the the, the German version and the English version, um, and now i've called it uh eine prise qualität which is like a like a like a it's like a like a salt like because an prise is like when you put a little bit of salt on something so it's like a like a like a little bit of quality like a touch of quality or something i guess if you and uh yeah uh i had a couple guests on recently so i changed that um name again and it's it's not as easy like podmatch is so cool uh and i didn't really explore podmatch for german speaking and i don't really know if you even could honestly mm-hmm. for german speaking guests uh have you like have you found any any germans like in podcasting yeah go on audrey a u d r y yeah i've been on audrey yeah okay they that's where that's where yeah. i found uh that's where i found uh a couple of different german uh podcasts uh, okay. In fact, I should hook you up with my friends. Um, you know, I think you guys would have some good conversations too. So I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you some of their info because uh, yeah, really cool guys. And that's you know, I'm gonna be meeting them all on the trip. So you're the only one yeah. that won't do it, me. Sad. That's that. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry, buddy. You're the only I totally one. Would. No, I dude. I, 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 would I wouldn't. I wouldn't drive that far to go to a book fair. I think I'm not. I'm not. No, that I, would, big I would do it for you. I would, I would totally do it just to come down and hang out with you because uh, we have like we definitely have a connection, you know. Like it's, uh, it's. I'm so luck. I'm so lucky that we we met and we'll definitely keep this going, man. Like whatever yeah. form it is, you know. No, I think I think so. I I was, dude. I was actually looking up jujitsu schools over there. Yeah, take. Like, I haven't trained in. 
probably over a year. Uh, like, or I've had a couple of training sessions. So I was like, I'm going to write to them. I'm just going to go down. I'm going to train like the night before. I'm like, what an idiot. Like, I was like, I can just get beat up. I was like, it, 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 it makes no sense. I was like, I just gotta, I gotta hold off. Um, have you been, have you been training? Have you been, uh, yeah. Practicing? Yeah. Yeah. I think I can show you. Huh? Oh, I, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that actually, I got the fresh one. I had one last week. I was like the whole side, like uh, one of the white belts just, he clobbered me with this foot, you know, uh, like he, he came across like with, I was trying to pass his guard and he just, he, he just reacted like way too hard. And just like, I looked like a, you know, like a wife beater. I just had this huge, of course, or uh, like a beaten from wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is there, is there much concern with COVID with your training? Like are there are the regulations on how many people could be on the mat? Are you guys supposed to wear masks or anything? Or is it not a big deal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I don't have to tell you what club I'm in, so. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, uh, Eddie, Eddie Bravo had the best way, like the way he said it. Um, he was just like, "It's good to have uh, clubs that aren't so in big cities and are a little bit hard to find." So. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, with, and with tinted windows, so no one can see inside. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody's in there, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, yeah, and I, but somehow, but somehow, in the last year, I attained my blue belt, so I must have been doing oh. something. Congrats, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's the, probably one of the biggest things, you know, from going from white to blue uh, is huge. So, yeah, and people, people start kicking my ass even more now. It's crazy. Like that. Now it's like, oh, all the white belts, they, they have like all of their ears perked up. Like, oh, he got a blue belt now. So now they're just going like way harder on me. And I'm like, I'm still the same guy, you know, and my, my, uh, my, my master, you know, my, my trainer, he looked at me, he's like, no, you're a blue belt now. And I was like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's cool because it, it does. It keeps your game hard, like keeps your game up and it raises your own. Like we, we created, um, have, we have like a flow, a flow. This was what he gave me the other day. He's like, gave me like a homework assignment, like where I had to kind of like do um, like a flow, kind of be like, okay, now you're in guard. So when you're in guard, where do you want to go from there? Do you want to do a sweep? And then when you get him to a sweep, are you going to take side position? And and then it kind of loops around on itself. And then you're like, oh, wow, I filled that out without really having to like think about it. So you just kind of visualize it, right? And the more often you do that, like the, after, the more often that you're in that position, you're like, okay, I'm just going to go from here to there, you know? And it becomes mm -hmm. this automatic. Yeah, jujitsu is it's, it's seriously like I, I could totally do a podcast on jujitsu because I could talk about jujitsu like nonstop. That's like one of those things. It's just, uh, cool. it, it makes me cry. It makes me cry because I've been out of it for so long. It's sad. Yeah. My, 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 my wife is the same way too. Like she, she became obsessed with it. She wants to get back in. We, we really are hoping to open one up down the street from us. We've been looking. We're just waiting for like the right opportunity. So uh, that yeah. way we could. Back oh, you want to open up your own studio? Yeah, yeah. We we have a right black on. belt. Yeah, it's going to be Tenth Planet Whittier. We had one before, but it closed uh, a couple years ago. Um, but now we have a black belt. He's awesome. Uh, he's looking. So as soon as we get the the location, we'll we'll open up just down the street, Sweet. so that way we can all start training. And yeah, nice. I remember when I first got into it, like, and you learned how to like do these rolls, you know, where you like kind of do it. You're on your back, or you do like these turtle rolls. And I've seen like these these memes of these guys. That's like how they go to work in the morning. Like they roll on the road, like down the street. Like you just roll right down into the mats and then just keep rolling. <laughs> yeah, no man. Yeah, jujitsu is awesome. That's that that's super cool. You got your blue. 
um dude thank you so much for coming on here man i i, I appreciate this it's awesome talking we'll talk again uh for sure soon or definitely before i go to frankfurt next year or germany well, who knows what who knows what part but uh i am planning on returning so um is where can people find you is it a so deeper energy podcast is there a website where should they go to uh, check out the website or your social media yeah, um, the real Remington.com. I still have everything up there. Um, and it's the easiest place to find me. I should, you know, I was, I listened to someone the other day. He's like, why is everyone promoting Linktree? You know, like just promote your own website, you know? Um, but I used to just do the Linktree thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I put everything in the real Remington.com. So yeah, man, it was really nice to talk to you too. And I, I wish you nice travels uh, and have a great time in, in frankfurt that's going to be a good time man i mean good for you for doing that i think it's so cool that you got your book at, in german too that's uh yeah like, i like i like it um uh, yeah i i was thinking about trying to do a reading in german over there but i was like man nah, not yet not yet um, <laughs> but uh, yeah no dude thank you so much um go enjoy your family have an awesome night and i will yeah. talk to you later on all right man thank you mark peace out bro. Night 2. Chapter 6. Waking up on night 2 was a slow climb out of a syrupy haze. No memory of where I was or if anyone was around. The air was warm on my stomach, cold on my crotch. I hoped I was dreaming. Becky startled me when she said, It's okay. We need to get you changed anyhow. It's not a big deal, Joe. Sarah agreed. It's nothing. I wish the piss was my only problem, because right then it was the pain. A red-hot pressure radiating from my left shoulder. Joe, look at us, Becky said. She was kneeling on a duffel bag piled in front of the barred window. We look different, right? Come on, that's what we've got to do with you. I couldn't remember what she'd been wearing before, but now she had on a tight pair of jeans and a black Misfits t-shirt. The big change was her hair chopped short like a boy's, the brown, now blonde. Danny's number 78 blue and white Giants jersey swayed back and forth as he corralled a bug in the corner. He'd found a pencil and was doing that nervous thing, rubbing his thumb up and down the end of it. It's the same way he held that stick before plunging it in Wayne's cheek. I shake the image and concentrate on Danny, struggling to see what's different. He looks at me over his shoulder and points to his jet-black hair. Oh, yeah. No hat, I said, keeping my thoughts to myself that with eyes too close and a smile too big, Danny's wasn't the kind of face you forget. Sarah sat on the corner of the bed dressed like she was going on a date in gray pants and a dark blue blouse that matched her eyes. It was nice to see she'd gotten over the tiny scars on her arms, but I wondered what they'd make Becky think. Sarah's hair was how she usually had it in Brightside, pulled back in a ponytail but I never imagined seeing a pink ribbon tied around it. Her attention was on the video playing on her phone, an earbud in one ear. I thought of sitting up, but said, I can't do it. It hurts. Danny groaned as he got up and came to my side. You'll be okay. My shoulder needed to be itched, but Danny grabbed my wrist and said, Whoa, Joe. I sat up and shouted at least five fucks. All of them warned me to keep quiet, 
I lowered my voice. God damn, it hurts. Not just my shoulder, my whole body. Sarah grimaced when she scooted over close enough to take hold of my arm in the sling. You've been through a lot. We all have. Becky kept watch out the window. Feels like I've had 12 jujitsu matches yesterday. Just the second story fall alone. Danny nodded, the cut on his neck a reminder of how close he'd come. We'll feel better. Sarah held a small syringe and found a vein in my forearm. This might sting. The needle pierced my skin, a tiny prick compared to the throbbing pressure. I apologized and promised I'd be quiet. It's fine, Sarah said. I should have done it before, but we didn't want to wake you. What time is it? Becky said. A little after six. Can you see anything? Nothing, just this guy's backyard. Twenty planes flying by every hour. Looking for us? Becky chuckled. We're on a flight path to LAX. Everyone around here is. Sarah said. But it's not just out there we need to worry about, Joe. It's everywhere. What do you mean? Sarah unplugged the earbuds and held her phone so I could watch some dorky white guy in a black suit and purple tie, a huge American flag behind him. Sarah saw I didn't get it. That's the White House, their last press briefing. Trying to sound sincere while his eyes read a script, the guy said, Let me start by saying our hearts go out to all the families of the victims of yesterday's tragic terrorist act. The assault on and the escape from Brightside will not be tolerated. It only solidifies our nation's commitment to removing thought thieves and converting them from threats into assets. Some people clapped, but he held up his hand for silence. Last night's attack was one of the worst acts of domestic terrorism in this great country's history. These rebels caused millions of dollars in damage and will cost us so much more for their recapture. But our president promises he will not spare a penny to see they face justice for taking the lives of 63 men and women sworn to watch over them. The screen switched to the smiling face of a boot in uniform, his name and rank below, along with his military experience and a list of family members he'd left behind. The screen stayed on for several seconds, then switched to a new face. Another boot. Another former soldier. In this heinous act of violence, these convicted telepaths poisoned their protectors, shot them point-blank, and burned them alive. Those thought thieves still on the loose are America's top threat, and we will not rest until they are accounted for. The scene switched to the inside of a fancy office filled with important-looking people in suits. The reporter said, Last night, just hours after the attack, the president showed his support by signing the Beyond Brightside Act. This act gives the secure solidarity system jurisdiction everywhere there's a thought thief. Citizens are reminded to respect their authority just as you would any other form of law enforcement. Their success is crucial for all our safety. Sarah paused the video and pointed to the gray-haired man in the military uniform standing beside the president. General Voltier, that creep came in on my interrogation, kept asking the same thing over and over. I'd been in Brightside a month longer than Sarah, but had never seen him. What was it? Sarah hit play on the video and answered me. What do you know of the underground? 
The video went back to the slideshow of faces that had never smile again, the suit still spouting his double talk. Yesterday's cowardly terrorist attack underscores our need for vigilance as these thought thieves assault the homeland and its protectors. There has never been such a need for the careful vetting of all citizens, the call for honest, hard-working Americans like yourself to take a stand. They'll just comply, help. The American spirit will never be broken, and those that seek to divide us will only bring us closer. A list titled Approved Hashtags appeared on a black background. Support your country by using the approved hashtags such as hashtag no thought thieves when you share this and all other relevant posts. And remember, any lead that results in the apprehension of a thought thief will receive $10,000. The email and hotline are at the bottom of your screen. Every entry will be taken seriously. I told Sarah, that's enough. She put the phone away and said, The border's been shut down. All family members of known thought thieves are being called in for questioning. The I held up my good hand and sighed. Holy shit. Louder than I'd meant to. I couldn't let myself think about just how fucked we were. We were safe for the moment. Where's... What's-his-face? How's he been? His name's Kevin. Sarah pointed out the window. He left a little before eight. Becky said, You look dressed for work. Black slacks, white button-down. Sarah said, I'm afraid there's another video you need to see. Can I change first? Becky said, I picked out your clothes and set them in the bathroom. Your dad said you should be an army vet, especially with the injuries. Just act like they're old, you know, from the war. The searing pain in my shoulder worsened when I moved, but I braced myself as Danny took hold of me. I wasn't ready when my left foot touched the ground an angry ring of red around that ankle. Sarah said, We've got to shave your head and darken your stubble. Danny helped me into the bathroom, then slid the slotted door closed behind him. Having only the one hand made things more difficult, but I was able to untie my sweats and let them fall to the floor. I peeled off my piss-soaked underwear and used the washcloth next to the stack of clothes. I scrubbed soap and water everywhere I could reach, but still felt dirty after washing. Sitting on the toilet was the only way to put on the clean underwear. I got dizzy and leaned back to clear my head. When I opened my eyes, the mirror scared the shit out of me. I was face to face with the most hated man in America. The last two days had been the roughest of my life, my face showing all the signs. A scraped up cheek, dark circles under sunken eyes, cold and black from all they'd seen. Shaving off my hair would help, but like Danny, you see my face, you probably won't forget it. The sweatpants were my thin blue ones. I didn't know if it was Becky or Sarah, but one of them was thoughtful enough to slit the bottom of the left leg so I could get it on over my foot more easily. They also slit the left side of my t-shirt so I could slip it over the sling. Kevin's straight-edge razor lay next to the sink. I could have grabbed it and put an end to this whole mess. But I rationalized away the urge, telling myself I couldn't be selfish. It wasn't just me. I was responsible for bringing along all three of them. I had to be a good soldier and do my duty. Death would come without my hand in it. Chapter 7 
It was dark outside, but Becky was still at the window. The knife she'd gotten from Tommy, who died in the escape attempt, was folded beside her on the carpet. I'd wanted Danny to hold it since Becky had the gun, but Sarah shot down that idea before I could speak it. I was sitting on the bed, gripping the wooden handle of Wayne's knife, wishing some of that psychopath's energy would transfer to me. I don't know if it was the morphine, the gunshot, or maybe some of Wayne's madness, but my stomach was queasy, the room gently rolling. Closing my eyes usually made things better, but this time I had a slow-motion movie on loop. A bullet blasting through the side of Wayne's head, the snow turning red. Shush, Sarah said with a pat on my good shoulder. Danny thought, screw Wayne. Sarah didn't chastise her brother, just sat a little closer and handed me the phone. Becky stayed where she was because she'd already seen the video. Danny, who was crouched in the corner, covered his ears, because he'd watched it as well. The words on the bottom of the screen matched the voiceover. Warning, this video contains graphic content that may offend and upset audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. The video cut to a beautiful shot of Brightside, the American flag slowly waving above the square, the pine trees and small towns so quaint and peaceful. Yesterday at 5 p.m., one of the most heinous acts of terrorism in American history took place at the Thought Thief Rehabilitation Center located in Brightside, California. A photo of Sharon in her white pantsuit filled the screen. This woman, Dr. Sharon Appleton, had been a trusted part of the Brightside community, acting as the resident psychiatrist. She abused this position of power and used it to mastermind the escape that culminated in the death of 63 agents and support personnel. The screen went to a shaky video of someone walking down a dirt embankment, stopping at the bloody body crumpled against the wooden fence. Hands flipped the body onto its back, dirt clinging to Sharon's face, her lifeless eyes staring at the sky. Although she managed to evade detection for several hours, this criminal was apprehended in Southern California attempting to escape with her family. I shouted, Where's the picture of her daughter? Show that! The video went to a split screen. The top half showed an open road speeding by at night. Below it was the same road, but with a car racing slightly ahead and to the left, red and blue lights swirling on top. The reporter said, These videos were taken from the dash cams of Secure Solidarity agents Gabriel Ortiz on the top and Michael Baylor on the bottom, who were in hot pursuit of the escaped terrorists. Several blocks ahead, a car darted out of a warehouse driveway and turned right, the brake lights flashing red and releasing. A station wagon followed, swerving as the boots closed in. Both civilian vehicles turned right at the light, the station wagon nearly flipping. The videos slowed to a quarter speed. Ortiz up top showed no warning, but just as he was passing the warehouse, Baylor's screen was filled with a moving truck zooming out of the driveway, a tremendous jolt as it plowed through Ortiz's car, knocking it into a vicious roll, spinning over and over. Baylor's car smashed into the back end of the truck, his windshield shattering, the car spinning until it slammed into the light post. Ortiz was upside down. A low whimper came from his car. From the other, a man I guessed was Baylor said, Oh, God, my legs, agent down. Baylor's camera was useless with the window all cracks, but from the top we could see the truck's door open, 
the cab lighting up as two figures walked out. Ten feet from Ortiz's cam, I made out my dad, upside down, but determined, a semi-automatic in hand. Ortiz, who was whining like my dog Lily after she'd been shot, said, I can't move, can't feel anything. From out of the frame, but his voice loud enough to recognize, Dad said, Good. What are you doing? You picked the wrong side, Dad said. Three loud blasts rang out. Baylor shouted, Dispatch! Shots fired! Agents down! No one else said a word, but three more blasts echoed. I'm guessing it was Sheriff Melvin. Dad's driver's license filled the screen, his Ohio address there for everyone to see. The reporter said, This cold-blooded killer is Hank Nolan, the outsider who helped mastermind the assault on Brightside and our freedom. For the death of these two men and the aiding of the terrorists, he is now America's number two most wanted criminal. The photo changed to my Brightside mugshot, the angriest I've ever looked, roughed up, ringing in my ears, wishing I'd been killed along with Lily. The number one spot goes to his son, Joseph Nolan the Brightsider responsible for setting the escape in motion. We don't have all the details yet, but here's what we know so far. Joseph Nolan, age 28, a liar, thief, and master manipulator, now a merciless murderer. Here he is in footage taken from yesterday's assault on Brightside. I'd never noticed a camera on the flagpole, but that seemed like the only place the video could have come from. Me on the rooftop, firing the shotgun at the helicopter watching it crash to the ground below. The faces of three boots filled the screen, a laundry list of humanizing facts listed below them. We take a moment to hail these heroes who will never see their loved ones again. We pray for these victims and their families, and we beg all of you honest citizens to help bring the Nolans and all remaining thought thieves to justice. If you love this country and what it stands for, share this video with the approved hashtags and report any suspicious activity to one of the contacts below. Sarah stopped the video. Not a sound in the room. I had to. I didn't have a choice. Sarah's eyes were cold, staring right through me. Did your dad? That was us in the station wagon, Becky reminded her. He did that for us. Sarah thought that was bullshit, that he didn't have to murder them. Not trying to justify it, but only to end it, I said, we've all made hard decisions. Sounding only seconds from losing it, Sarah said, so what do we do now? I knew we were fucked, but tried sounding like a soldier. We stick to the story, hope we never have to use it. So Danny might not catch it, Sarah thought. You know they'll never give us a chance. It'll be just like Sharon. Then we stay hidden. Sarah motioned at the locked door. With this guy? We don't even know if he's coming back. Danny got out of his corner, no trace of his usual smile. He's not coming back? Or what about a fire? Sarah said all panicky, not even acknowledging him. We'd burn alive in here. Stop it, Sarah, I said, a little meaner than I meant to. There's not going to be a fire. Becky pointed at the ceiling, a square hatch I hadn't noticed. We can get out if we need to. If Kevin does return, he won't let us stay. Sarah got off the bed and paced back and forth. Jesus Christ, Joe, what did you do? Becky said, even if they keep remaining Brightsiders alive, they'll just be slaves. We don't know that. 
Sarah said, taking her time with each word to keep herself under control. That's just speculation. I hadn't seen Danny upset with Sarah before, but his voice was raised, brow set for a debate. It's not Joe's fault. Yes, it is, Danny. Don't be dumb. I am not dumb. Let's drop this, I said, pausing because Sarah's pacing was making me sick. If Kevin doesn't come back in an hour, we go through the attic. Sarah stopped beside Becky and pointed at me. You can't. So Sarah could stop trying to hide her thoughts, I said, Yeah, I know. I'm fucking useless. I can do it, Becky said as she got up from the window and moved to the other side of the bed. I can get around and unlock the door. I saw the button he pushed. I wasn't looking to be anyone's leader, but someone had to. One hour. Agreed? They all said fine. Sarah is sitting at the foot of the bed and staring at the wall. Becky walked around the bed and asked me if she could check out Wayne's knife. I'd forgotten I was even holding it. She took it and returned to the window. How about I keep this for a while? You have Tommy's. She nodded at my forearm, the thin line of red traveling down. The cut wasn't deep, but I didn't remember doing it. Yeah, you better. Danny offered to clean the cut, but I needed to close my eyes and didn't want to be bothered. It's not bad. I'll be fine. I hadn't thought I'd dozed off, but I jerked awake when Becky said, Headlights! Someone's here! The engine turned off, and Becky confirmed it was Kevin. He's got to have seen the videos, Sarah said, her panic back. He won't let us stay. I want the gun, then. Sarah shook her head. You look like you're about to pass out. Good. Means I'm not a threat. I nodded at Becky. He'll think she still has it. The car door opened and shut. Heavy footsteps headed for the house, faster than I pictured Kevin moving. Danny stood and held out his hand. I could do it. Like it was a fact, Sarah said, No, you can't. Danny had been through enough. I gave him a big thumbs up and said, I know you could. Sarah couldn't even look at me as she said my name, her tone disappointed. What? That's real. Danny saved me with a pencil because I was a coward. I motioned for Becky to give me the gun. That's not happening again. Becky slipped Tommy's knife into her pocket and moved to the false door, Wayne's knife in one hand, the gun in her other. She put her ear to the door and said, He's inside. I got that she didn't want to upset Sarah, but I needed the gun. Hand it here, Becky. Sarah gave a slight nod and Becky brought it over. The gun was heavy, so I rested my hand alongside my thigh. I had Danny cover it with the sheet and stand by the door. Becky, wait in the bathroom. She stood between me and the false door, the innocent lamb I was leading to slaughter. You're not going to hurt him, are you? I'll be careful. He's letting us stay. I nodded at the bathroom. Go. Sarah backed into the far corner and sat down, concentrating on the phone. No one said a word for the next minute. Footsteps came down the hallway, but not fast like before. The lock disengaged, and the door pulled open. Kevin still had on slacks, his shirt untucked and wrinkled, red tie hanging loose. I couldn't see the gun by his side, but I heard his silent mantra, Stay calm, do not fire. Sarah said hi and gave a little wave. 
Kevin didn't acknowledge her, just glanced around the room. He nodded at the bathroom, and with renewed confidence said, She almost done? I'm only saying this once. The door muffled Becky a bit, but we all understood when she said, I can hear you just fine. All gruff and tough, he said, Get in here. Maybe she's shitting. We've only had protein bars to eat since you locked us in. I'm not. Kevin looked me in the eyes, but could only hold it a second. She's not. Well, it's still fucking rude. Kevin leveled the gun at the bathroom door, an additional six inches of metal added onto the barrel. His finger was on the trigger, not resting on the guard. I said, Wow, you don't even know how to put it on right. To me, he said, Get out, and started counting numbers to himself. He thought about all his bullets, how he had way more than he needed, how he had control of the situation. I laughed and said, No amount of bullets matter when the other guy is already aiming at your head. Kevin froze and thought, Oh, fuck. He considered calling my bluff. My arm was shaking, but I kept my voice calm when I told him. I wouldn't. You know I'll pull the trigger. Still facing the bathroom and sounding so sincere, the goddamn liar said, I only want to talk. Remember, I I'm helping you. Yeah. What were you going to tell us? And why were you so worried about the silencer and whether or not it'll work? He remained motionless, but was looking at me from the corner of his eye. Stop it. I told him some more that had already slipped. Just bought it, rushed to put it on, afraid things might get ugly. That's not true, and why think it? Loud as he could, he thought, Seven, seven, seven. Look, Kev, just like you, I only want to say things once. Put your gun on the table and step to your right. Kevin obeyed and faced the bed. I wasn't going to hurt anyone. I know. Just had to make sure. I told Danny to give the gun to Sarah and help our host into the far corner. Kevin sounded a sniffle away from crying. What are you going to do? To you? He nodded. Not sure. Probably give you the same hospitality you gave us. Becky came out of the bathroom. We have money, she said. We'll pay you. Kevin shook his head. I don't want your money. I saw the videos. I, I know who you are. Why the hell did you sign up to help others? Lock us up all day and come in here with your gun drawn? Why do that? You're no telepath. My brother Andrew was. Andrew Westmore. He was up there with you. The others shook their heads. I said, I don't think I knew any Andrews. He didn't last a week. Just long enough for one letter. Kevin paused. Thoughts of him and Andrews standing atop the Empire State Building, talking about what that fall would be like. He cleared his throat and said, He wrote he was going skydiving one last time. Told me not to be sad. To remember he was smiling the whole way down. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.